Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. It's great to be with you again. Uh, You're pretty sharp this morning. You've already guessed what the topic is this morning. Yeah, good. (laughs) Uh, So let's begin with the reading. Uh, We're going to look at uh, John chapter 20, a very famous passage. Um, Does JP have it? Great, brilliant. So there it is. Um, So we'll just read this through and then we'll get going. John chapter 20, uh, verses 24 to 31. I find it easier to read from this thing down here than twisting my neck. Here we go. John 20, uh, verses 24 uh, to 31. Now Thomas called Didymus, uh, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Uh, So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Uh, Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it uh, into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, and my God. Uh, then Jesus told him, uh, blessed are you who have seen me. Uh, blessed you who have seen me. You have believed. Uh, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We're going to look at this passage again at the end. We're going to dig in some of these deep truths. Uh, But at this first reading, I just want you to notice one thing. uh, And that is uh, Jesus' commands. Uh, He's turned in verse 28. He says says in uh, verse 27, the end there, when when Thomas has gone through the the, the fingers inside routine and and stuff like that, he then says to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. And, and I love that. It's, it's a limit, in a sense, it's a, it, it shows us the limits of what God can do. Here, here is the risen Lord Jesus. Um, he's not only been uh, born as a baby 33 years ago, he's not only lived 33 years with, with the people on this planet, uh, he's not only died on the cross for them, he's not only raised uh, from the dead on the third day, uh, he's not only passed through physical walls of the upper room, Uh, to to stand in the presence of his his disciples. He's done all of these things, and and yet he cannot make Thomas believe. Stop doubting, says Jesus, and believe. It's a command of Jesus to Thomas. Stop doubting and believe. God has done amazing things, but the one thing he can't do is is make Thomas believe. That's got to be Thomas's decision. (laughs) Get the idea? (laughs) So as we look at faith, I want us to, to, to realize that's, that's what we've got to do. We, we've still got to respond in faith. It's, 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 it's something that we have to do. There is no fate here. <laughs> I 
I know in our, in our African backgrounds, we're, we're often used to this fatalism, isn't it? God has decided everything, uh, and, and, and we can't change anything, and, and God's decided everything for, for us, uh, and, and there's nothing we can do. Uh, the Bible is totally different. The Genesis, God tells us that we are made in God's image. Uh, and part of what that means is that, uh, that we have that freedom. We are free agents. <laughs> God, God allows us to, to make decisions and to decide things. Of course, there are things he wants us to do and ways to behave, but he leaves it up to us to decide. And with all, these, all this amazing activity of God in Christ, we've been thinking about this morning and singing about this morning, it's still our decision in how we respond. Yep. So that's, what, that's the kind of angle we're going to be looking at faith this morning. We're made in God's image. We are free agents. We are not robots God does everything, uh, and yet he's, he's burning with the desire for us to respond positively to that. We need to take it and, and make our own decision. So, so what is faith? What is belief? Um, it's very interesting. You've, uh, if you've seen already, we've, met, we've mentioned the two words this morning, uh, belief and faith. Yes, two English words. Um, I did a quick look through my uh, Greek and uh, both words actually come from the same Greek word. There is only one Greek word behind these two English words. So, so that when you see belief and where you see faith, they're, they're not two different things. In, in Greek, it's the same thing. Excuse me. Uh, so so what, what, what that is telling us is that what, if, we're, if we're reading in our Bibles and we read about faith, read somewhere else, read about belief, uh, it's the same thing that we are reading about. It may, be, it may be that faith is a better word. Faith is a better reflection of the Greek word because um, faith implies trust as well. Okay? If you believe something, you can believe anything. You can believe the earth is flat. You can believe what you like. Um, you can believe it. Uh, but, but when we talk about faith, there's an element of trust there. We're, we're trusting what we believe in. Uh, and the Greek word pistuo, that... That it's got more of faith and trust in it. So maybe faith is, is a better word uh, that we're thinking about. We're, we're, we don't just believe in God, but we trust him as well. That's faith. And of course, there are different degrees of faith. Um, the Western world at the moment is full of no faith at all. Atheists, atheism. Uh, if you go to uh, Europe or America on mission and you want to preach about Christianity, want to preach Jesus, first you have to convince people that there is a God that exists anyway. That's the first step, you know? It's incredible. Um, C.S. Lewis was an atheist as he grew up. Um, uh, he, he says he didn't believe that God existed and he was very angry at God for not existing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we get the opposite extreme. If you go to India, and we'll talk about India later, if you go to India to preach Jesus Christ, and you tell them that Jesus is Lord, the Hindu will say, well, thank you very much. I have a million lords. I'll just add Jesus to the list, and now I have a million and one lords. Okay? So that's the opposite extreme. Polytheism, many gods. We're getting a little bit closer. So nearer the Bible, you get into monotheism, belief that there is one God. And, and that's a step in the right direction, believing that there is only one God. There, there isn't no God, and there isn't millions of gods. There's only one. Uh, but look at James 2.19. What does James 2.19 say about believing in one God? You believe that there is one God. That's good. But even the, even the demons believe that and, and shudder. So if you believe that God exists this morning, you're doing well. But 
Not so well, okay? You have the faith of demons. Thank you. Okay, we need a little bit more than that, okay? It's good to believe that God exists, but, we're, but when we come to faith, proper faith, we're, we're talking about more than that. We need to go to the next level. And the next level, Sibylla already told us, Hebrews 11, verse 6. This, this is the faith that we're looking at. Without faith, it is impossible to please God uh, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is the next level. This is not just believing that God exists. There it is. Must believe that God exists. Okay. The next level is that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That, that God responds to us. That he can be found, as Sibylla has already told us. Uh, faith, we believe and trust in a, in a God who not only exists, but who wants to bless us, who wants to reward us, who wants to be found by us, who wants a relationship with us. Uh, that, that's faith. It's, it's more than just believing that he exists. It's having a relationship of trust and faith with him. As you've read the Bible, I, you know, Old Testament and, and New Testament, you may have been scratching your head already about faith. Especially when it comes to the Old Testament people. Those Old Testament guys, uh, they didn't know about Jesus dying on a cross. <laughs> what? How are they? Will we meet Abraham in heaven? Are we going to meet Daniel in heaven? Well, I hope so. But, but how, how, how does God save them? They, they lived before the cross. What's, what's, what's faith for them? In a sense, we need a, we need a definition of faith that can cover the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's easy for us. We are living after the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, so, so for us, faith, uh, faith, has, faith is cross-shaped. We've been singing about that this morning already, haven't we? Um, our, our faith in, in God uh, is, is cross-shaped. That's, that's the focus of our faith. Uh, the Old Testament people didn't have a cross. Jesus hadn't died yet, hadn't even arrived yet. Um, so we need, a, we need a, f a definition of faith that we can cover from the whole Bible. And, and one suggestion is this. Faith is the positive response to God's initiative. I'll say that again. Faith is the positive response to God's initiative. In the Bible, we, we read of God's initiative. God takes action. God does something. Uh, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Those kind of phrases. Um, God looks at the situation and he says, I'm going to do something about it. Uh, and he does everything about it. It doesn't hold anything back. Um, but faith is responding positively to that initiative. Okay, and that's quite useful because that covers the Old Testament uh, people as well as us New Testament people. So um, in the Old Testament, for example, Abraham, we'll look at him uh, later, uh, God gives him certain promises, uh, a miracle son uh, uh, and a people coming from that son, a nation coming from that son, and eventually uh, the Messiah coming from that son. And, what does it, and, and it said Abraham believed God. God, gave, God took the initiative and gave Abraham a promise, and Abraham responded positively. He believed it. He said, yes, I choose to believe that. He could choose to disbelieve or believe. He chose to believe. Positive response. In the Gospels, I, I, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you sympathize with the disciples? Poor disciples. You know, Jesus gets mad with them. Oh, you people of little faith. You know, <laughs> oh, poor things. You know, we, ah, oh, man. Uh, but because, of course, they are, they're, they're, they're followers of Jesus, but they haven't got the Holy Spirit yet. That comes on, the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost. They're doing their best, 
but, but the Holy Spirit is not there to help them understand what Jesus is saying. Uh, and so there's a kind of special gospel faith. What's faith in the gospels? Jesus hasn't died yet. The cross hasn't happened yet in the gospels. We're leading up to that, okay? So we need another kind of uh, focus for faith when we read the gospels. Uh, and you can see it in Jesus' teaching uh, when he preaches about himself or he preaches about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Um, what faith in the gospels really is believing that Jesus is who he says he is. That's, that's the faith that Jesus wants people to have before the cross, if that's like. He's telling people who he is uh, and some believe him, others don't believe him, and others are kind of with one foot in the ground, one foot in the other, not really sure. And, 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 and Jesus is, is sort of preaching to the, to the waverers. He's preaching to this crowd, the crowd who've come to see, and they're scratching their heads. I wonder, I wonder if he could be the Messiah. I just don't know. And Jesus is preaching to them to make them come, you know, come and believe that I am who I say I am. That's the kind of faith in, in, that we have in the Gospels. Um, and finally, of course, in, now that we are after the cross and after the resurrection, uh, our faith is, is cross-centered. It's, it's to do with salvation. Uh, it's, it's trusting uh, God to save us through the shed blood uh, of his son on the cross. So let's have a look at some examples of faith. Just We've already mentioned Abraham, uh, but let's look at what actually happened. So Romans chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 3. Here we go. Uh, Paul is uh, taking some time to describe what faith is, and uh, this is how he describes Abraham. What shall we say then uh, that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? Uh, if, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Uh, what does the scripture say? Uh, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness so so god gave him these amazing promises the amazing covenant promises and and abraham believed god and that's how he was righteous <laughs> okay he, he was righteous because he had a positive response to god's initiative uh, it's a, it's an amazing story all this happening before the cross of course the cross was in the future <laughs> Uh, and, and, and in a sense, the cross works backwards to Abraham and forwards to us, um, yes. But uh, Abraham is, is, a, is a father of faith because of this positive response to God's initiative. Um, we get that. Uh, a, new, a New Testament example, I love this one, the centurion uh, in Matthew 8, uh, verses 5 to 10 here. Uh, here is a Gentile. Uh, Jesus didn't... Jesus first came to preach to the Jews. He came to his own people. Uh, he was the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah to the Jewish people. Um, but every now and again, a Gentile pops his head up uh, and, and responds in a way that the Jews don't. <laughs> and I love this story. Matthew 8, uh, chapter five, uh, verses 5 to 10. Uh, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Uh, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Love this. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished 
and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel, a Jew, with such great faith. Here is a Gentile displaying the faith that God, that Jesus wanted his own people to have. But you can see, I, I love the, uh, the, the picture of, of, of the centurion there, um, because he's, 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 he, he is faithful, but he's also looking at the real world situation. He can, he can understand faith and he knows what faith is because of his, because of his life and because of his work. He's, he's a man of authority with people under him who have to obey his word. And he's also, a man, as a centurion, there are people over him who he has to obey. They tell him to do something and he has to do that. He, he lives in this world of authority and command and obedience. And it's easy for him to just transfer that to Jesus. Jesus, you are the ultimate authority. <laughs> what you say goes. You don't have to come and visit my house. You just say the word and it'll be done. I know. I, this is my day job. Authority. <laughs> and I love that. It's, he's, he's using his life experience. He's using his real world experience to, to help him understand faith. We'll come to that later as well. So let's... We've got, talked a little bit about what faith is. Um, I want to talk about what faith is not. <laughs> uh, first thing, for those of us who are worrying about this, faith is not trying to convince yourself that, of something that's true that you know isn't true. It's not pretending, yes? Um, you know, the world is flat, the world is flat, the world is flat. You know, if I say it enough times, you know, I don't really believe it, but I'll, but I'll believe it anyway. Do you, do you know what I mean? You're when we read the Bible and you respond to God in faith, you, you don't do it in spite of what you really think. Okay? It's not pretending. It's not knowing one thing and believing something completely different. Uh, faith and reasoning, faith and understanding go together. Think of the centurion. His, his faith and his understanding of the world were on track. They were going in the same direction. They were consistent with each other. <laughs> and... and, and you know, faith, faith is not sort of uh, trying to uh, grit our spiritual teeth and, and make ourselves believe something that we really don't, we, we know isn't really true, really. That's not faith. Second thing that faith isn't, slightly related to that, is faith is not intellectual suicide. We, we don't have to take our brains out in order to believe with our souls and spirits, okay? Um, I, I, think, I think very clever people struggle with this. Um, I've met some of them. Um, they, they're people who are so clever that they, they're afraid of faith. What am I saying? Um, they, they don't want to put their trust in Christ uh, until they tick all the intellectual boxes. Um, they're, they're, they're so clever that uh, they, they, can't, they can't make that step of faith because it might compromise their intellect. Do you get the idea? They're, they're, they're a... You know, if I, if, if, if I can't tick all the, my intellectual boxes about Jesus and about Christianity, I'm not going to believe. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, can't, I can't throw myself in the boat of faith, on, on the sea of, of faith, um, uh, without, uh, without safeguarding all of my intellect. Um, uh, Jesus said, uh, it's, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. It's hard for a high IQ person to enter the kingdom, I think, for, for, similar, for similar reasons. The, the truth is, as the centurion found, is that our reason, our thinking, and our faith do go together. Uh, that's, 
That's the message from this. Now, as I saw Sibylla coming in this morning, I said, no, Sibylla, no, I woke up this morning and I, I still wasn't C.S. Lewis again. Ah, man, I, you know, it happens every day. I wake up and I'm not C.S. Lewis. I wish I could be C.S. Lewis. I wish I had his gift for explaining these deep things in, in such a powerful, simple way. So I've got the next best thing. Here's a, here's a flat C.S. Lewis here. Um, he's talking about reason and faith. And, he's, and, and what, he wants, what he wants us to understand is it's not... It's not necessarily our reason that's going to be the thing that, that damages or attacks our faith. It's our emotions, it's our feelings that are the greatest threat to our faith. Anyway, um, I'm just, I'll just read through this section because it's, 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 it's a fantastic description of what I want to say, but he said it first. Okay, here we go. The chapter on faith in mere Christianity. Uh, he says this, I'm not asking anyone to accept Christianity if his best reasoning tells him that the weight of the evidence is against it. See, you're not pretending. Uh, that is not the point at which faith comes in. But supposing a man's reason does decide that the weight of the evidence of Christianity is for, is, is, it's true. I can tell that man what is going to happen to him in the next few weeks. There will come a moment when there is bad news, or he's in trouble, or he's living amongst a lot of other people who don't believe it. And all at once, his emotions will rise up and carry out a sort of attack on his belief. Or else there will become a moment when he wants to tell a lie or feels very pleased with himself or, or sees a chance of making a little money uh, in some way that is not perfectly fair. Some moment, in fact, at which it would be very convenient if Christianity wasn't true. And once again, his wishes and desires will carry out an attack on his faith. I'm not talking of moments at which any real new reasons against Christianity turn up. Those have to be faced, and that is a different matter. I'm talking about moments when a mere mood rises up against it, feelings. Now, faith, in the sense in which I'm using the word here, is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. Do you get that? You, we become Christians because it's reasonable, it makes sense, and then moods happen and the emotions come in. For moods will change, whatever view your reason takes. I know that by experience, he says. Uh, now that I'm a Christian, I do have moods in which the whole thing looks very improbable. But when I was an atheist, I had moods in which Christianity looked terribly probable. Uh, this rebellion of your moods against your real self is going to come anyway. That is why faith is such a necessary virtue. Unless you teach your moods where they get off, you can never be either a sound Christian or even a sound atheist. But just a creature dithering to and fro with its beliefs really dependent on the weather, sorry weather this morning, and the state of its digestion. Consequently, one must train the habit of faith. Really done. The first step is to recognize the fact that your moods change. Okay? Your reason says Christianity is true. Your moods tell you that they either do or do, either is or isn't. Okay? The next is to make sure that if you have once accepted Christianity, then some of its main doctrines shall, deliberately, shall be deliberately held before your mind for some time every day. That is why daily prayers and religious readings and church-going are necessary parts of the Christian life. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. 
Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. That's great. I just I thought that was so helpful. Uh, so, whoops, sorry, sorry, C.S. Lewis. The, so our faith, our faith and reason go together, as the centurion found. Faith is a reasonable exercise. It's not a pretending. Uh, it's not believing something that we know isn't true. But we're emotional beings as well, and, and our emotions will rise up and fluctuate and up and down and everything. And that, that, that'll be the true source, uh, or one of the, the true sources of, of difficulty uh, and, and struggling with faith. Uh, in our lives. It's our own feelings that will be our enemy of faith. Another important distinction about faith, another uh, important uh, uh, description of faith, we find in John chapter 6, uh, verses 28 and 29. Jesus has just fed uh, the 5,000 on the hill. He's crossed over the lake. The people have come to find him. They want more do they want more teaching or do they want more bread? Hmm, maybe a bit of both anyway. Uh, but they, they're, they're struggling to find him. Uh, and uh, this is what the people say uh, to him. John chapter 6 and verses 28. Then the people asked of him, uh, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, uh, the, uh, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, excuse me, to believe in the one he has sent. So this is a Jewish crowd. They, are, they, they know about the Ten Commandments. They know about all the laws in the Old Testament. Um, and so their question in verse 28 makes sense. What, what, must we, what must we do to do the works, plural? Not, not just one or two, but at least ten and a whole lot more in, in the law. Uh, ask Mike about the Pentateuch and all the law and all those laws and things like that. There are, they're thinking, they're, as Jews, they're thinking there are many works that we must do to please God. Uh, and what does Jesus answer? How many? One work. <laughs> the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. There aren't many works for us to do. <laughs> There's only one work, to believe. That's what Jesus said to Thomas. Stop doubting and believe. Do the one thing, Thomas. <laughs> There's only one thing that we need to do. We need to put our faith in Christ. We need to believe in the one uh, that God sent. So this is where the cross comes in. This, this is, this is cross-centered faith. Our, our salvation does not depend on our works. Okay, Jesus is saying that that's irrelevant. <laughs> our works will never save us. Uh, what we must do is put our trust in someone else's work, uh, someone who worked on our behalf. That's that's cross-centered faith. That's, that's the faith that, of the whole scripture now, <laughs> that we have the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, Jesus has died so that we don't have to. Um, you know, that's the whole point. We, we can spend our lives thinking that we need to do good things in order to, to get into heaven or to make God like us or love us or, or please him, uh, and then we realize we can't do it. There's, no, there's never enough. We can't do enough good things. We'll never be good enough to get into heaven. And then we realize, thank goodness, Jesus, Jesus has done it. Jesus has done the work. We can, we can rest in him. And, and faith is, is trusting his work for, for us 
and, and giving up on ourselves. The trouble is our own human pride doesn't want to hear that message. We, we want to be the masters of our own fate, don't we? We want to, we want to be the ones who achieve things and reach our goals. Uh, you know, we want to be the ones who save ourselves and, you know, I want to get into heaven through my own effort. That's what our pride says. And it's very, we, we don't want to go the route of trusting someone else. <laughs> but that's the message of Scripture. That's what God wants us to do. Uh, Jesus has done all, all the work that we need to get into heaven and, and to know God now. When he, when he died on the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. The work of salvation is finished. I, the last words, he's about to die. His death on the cross finishes, completes the work of salvation. There is, there is nothing more that we could do to, to add uh, or to contribute to our own salvation. Jo John Calvin said the only thing we contribute to our salvation is the, is, is the sins for which Jesus died. That's the only thing we contribute. So it comes back to us, Jesus uh, showing his wounds to Thomas. His command to Thomas, stop doubting, believe. Thomas's response, my Lord and my God. And, and that's how we respond. Uh, it's one thing to say Jesus died on the cross. That's, that's a good start. But that doesn't make a, a Christian. <laughs> Making, becoming a Christian comes saying, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. That's, that's the step. That's the step of faith. That's the step of faith. It's when we, we know and we believe that Jesus died for me. That's, that's the point. Do you remember we, 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 occasionally we do the Lord's Supper, the bread and the wine goes round, and there's various meanings to the Lord's Supper. You can read them in Scripture. But, but one, of the, one of the things that's happening when we take the bread and the wine at the Lord's Supper, the Lord's communion table, we are, there, there is the bread at the front. There is the wine going round. What are you going to do when it comes to you? Are you going to let it go by? Or are you going to take it and actually eat the bread and actually take the cup and, and drink the cup, yeah? What are you actually going to do? You're going to, you're going to take that available bread and wine and you are going to apply it to yourself. Say, this is for me. That, you, know, it, you are doing physically what, what we should be doing spiritually. <laughs> spiritually, we're saying Jesus, died. Jesus did not just die. Jesus died for me so i'm taking the bread and the wine because it's it's for me you're taking it to yourself you're claiming it for your own that's that's one of the main things one of the big things that's happening uh, at the lord's table so let's come back as we close let's come back to this to john chapter 20 if we can run it up there again thank you uh, just to pick out some more of these things um, if we are all brutally honest with our feelings going up and down there, there are days when we, are, when we believe and where our faith is strong and there are days where we, we're not sure if we believe and our faith is very weak and we wonder if we're even Christians. Yes, our faith, our faith does fluctuate. We have good days and bad days. Uh, we feel like that, that guy in Mark 9, 24, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You know, that, that's, that's probably where most of us are most of the time. <laughs> faith, faith isn't a smooth ride. It's, it's a rocky road. But I love this. I love this story. Can you see what's going on? Uh, the week before, okay, uh, the other disciples, verse 25, said, we've seen the Lord. Jesus, Jesus came to the upper room, passed through the walls again uh, when the other disciples were there, uh, and Thomas wasn't there, and 
you know, uh, and, and their testimony to Thomas, we've seen him, and he says, look, unless I put my finger there and my hand in his side, I'm not, I'm not believing. Okay. And verse 26, a week later, they were in the house again. Okay. Now, we, it's very easy to criticize Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas, don't we? <laughs> this is the Doubting Thomas. I mean, ah, Doubting Thomas. Uh, you know, and, and there, but can you see what's happening? It's, it's almost like he's told Jesus. Jesus has heard what he said. Unless I put, see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand inside, I will not believe. Jesus is going, yeah, okay. <laughs> Challenge accepted, okay. So a week later, Jesus makes a special one-off, once and only, <laughs> one-on-one reappearance. Jesus comes back specially for Thomas. Yeah, I find that incredible. Okay, this one guy, this doubting Thomas, who, who he's not really struggling to believe, he's refusing to believe, <laughs> really. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus makes a special reappearance just for him so that he may believe. I, I, it's just amazing. That's God's graciousness, isn't it? You know, that's Jesus' care for this doubting Thomas, this poor doubting Thomas. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Okay, here, here this is Jesus, the Lord, helping Thomas's unbelief by making a special appearance. You mentioned the disciples, the other, the other ten are standing around. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, now you get it. Okay, he's got it. Stop doubting and believe my Lord and my God. So that's the good news for those of us when we feel our faith is wavering or not so strong. Jesus wants to make our faith strong. Look, look, at, the, look at the lengths he went to go to convince Thomas. He met Thomas exactly where Thomas's doubts were. He met, the, he met him right at that point and, and turned him into a believer. He gave him all the evidence he needed, all the evidence he demanded he gave him. That's <laughs> amazing, amazing. But of course, it was still Thomas's responsibility to believe. Stop doubting, said Jesus, and believe. And, and he did. The amazing story, if you, you can Google him, you can look at, you can look at Doubting Thomas. Uh, he, he's called Thomas of India. Okay? Thomas went to, first to the west coast of India and then traveled down to the south uh, of the point of India and actually went up to Chennai. Uh, around the corner, uh, where he was actually martyred. He, he, he died for his uh, Christian witness. Uh, and there, there is a, the Church of Thomas, the Syrian Church uh, of South India, uh, goes all the way back to this Doubting Thomas. It's an extraordinary transformation. From Doubting Thomas to, to, the, to, the, to the guy who started the church in India 2,000 years ago and died uh, for his gospel ministry in, in India. What, what an amazing story. Uh, look, what about us? Jesus tells us, uh, Thomas, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are the rest of us this morning who believe and when we haven't seen. Okay, uh, and, and what, does Jesus, what does Jesus say to them? Sorry, I've got to jump to the verse. Uh, what, what does John say uh, about his uh, testimony? Uh, verse 31, but these things are written, John says, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we have, you know, Jesus doesn't tend to come to, to you and to me to help us with our faith. Uh, that's because we have the word. He's the word of God. We have the word of God here. Okay. John, John wrote his gospel so that we may believe. Uh, we, if your faith is rocky, get into the word. <laughs> Here's the answer. The Bible has everything we need to know 
to, to reassure us of our faith uh, and, and to help our faith to grow. Uh, it's interesting in the Greek, uh, uh, Rico will tell you all about uh, Greek modes of action in verbs. Thank you. Yes, I'll stand, up, stand aside. You could do that lecture now. Um, but he writes, so that you may believe. Uh, and the Greeks loved their verbs. They, uh, they were very careful with their verbs. Um, is, is that action, is that verb, is that a, is that a continuing verb? Or is it a, a one-off action that stops, that, that, that happens once and then stops and is not repeated? Um, and this, this believing, John writes, he's very, he's very clever with his Greek. Um, he, he's, he's telling us that he wants, he's writing so that, that we may believe. And, and scholars debate, uh, is, is John's gospel an evangelistic document? Is he, is, is he writing so that non-believers may read it and believe? In other words, come to faith once. That's, that's like a, a non-repeatable kind of action. Or is Thomas uh, writing to Christians? Is he writing to people who already believe so that they may go on believing? You get the idea? Okay, there's, there's two, is, is John writing an evangelistic tract or is he writing a discipleship manual? Okay, and scholars debate about which, what he was trying to do because of his Greek. Actually, what most of them agree is he was trying to do both. Okay, he wants people to read, he wants non-Christians to read his book and come to faith. But he also wants believers to read it and have their faith grow stronger and increase. And, and, and the point is, we're, we are all at Thomas's position. Jesus is standing in front of us this morning. And he's telling us, stop doubting and believe. Come on, you guys, believe. Jesus has done everything. <laughs> and, he, and he now wants us to respond positively to his initiative. Come on, guys, believe. He can't, he can't force us to do it, but he wants us to do it. Yeah, we, ne we need to respond to this. <laughs> Jesus has done everything so that we can believe. And now he wants us to believe. He wants us to do it. It's a wonderful African story of an old man walking in from the bush. He's, he's tired, he's thirsty. <laughs> he wasn't that old. Uh, and, and he gets, he comes to the village well, and, and the ladies are, are, are pumping water from the well, uh, and, and he's really on his last legs. He, he's about to pass out, he, he's not gonna walk much, he's not gonna walk much longer. He, he collapses by the well, uh, and one of the ladies says, gets, a, gets a cup of water and says, here, here is water. You, if you don't drink it, you're going to die. You're on your last legs. You're, you're parched. You know, you're not going to make it. And the old man says, yes, there is water. If I drink it, I, it will save my life. If I don't drink it, I'm going to die. There it is. And the lady says, yes, here's the water. Drink it. You know, she sort of puts it in his hands. You know, <laughs> Yes, here is the water. The cup is in his hands. Here is the water. If I drink it... Uh, and the water spills out on the ground. It's, it's not knowing that the water saves you, it's drinking it that saves you. It's, it's the same for the gospel offer this morning. Maybe there are people here this morning, you, you, you've been interested in Christianity, you've been reading your Bible, you've got Christian friends, Christian family, you've never made that step. Maybe Jesus is saying to you this morning, stop doubting and believe. Take, drink that water. <laughs> Maybe the rest of us, we've been believing for some time, but, but we, want to, we want to respond positively to Jesus. Stop, stop doubting. <laughs> you have faith, but believe. Make, make a positive response. Can, can I ask us, as we, as we pray this morning, 
just to, to take that step, to make that positive response to God's initiative. Can we do that this morning? Let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, we've, we've heard about faith this morning. We, we've heard about what you've done for us. Uh, we've heard about what you did for Thomas, even making a special once-off appearance uh, so that you would uh, bring him uh, to the point of belief. Uh, but Lord, we've also heard this morning that we need to respond. We need to take up the, your offer. Uh, we need to, to, to take the cup that will save our, our, our parched lives. <laughs> Uh, Lord, whether we, uh, are, whether we uh, haven't become Christians yet, whether we've been Christians for years this morning, Lord, we, we want to say, Lord, yes, we do believe. We respond in faith. We take the cup. Uh, we take the offer. We, we do accept what you have done for us. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, we want to say that you have done all the work that was needed uh, to get us into heaven. You have done all the work that was needed to reconcile us to God. And Lord, and we want to take it to ourselves this morning. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, we, we want to, all of us, we want to say this morning, uh, not just that Jesus died, but that Jesus died for me. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.